I'm glad I came today. I'm glad I came today. I have a confession to make. I like to eat. You do too? Isn't it hard though sometimes? Because I want to keep this nice girlish figure that I have. <laughs> it's a struggle for us, isn't it? But I love to eat. One of my favorite things, a warm chocolate chip cookie. I wish I had one right now. I'm just telling you, there's nothing like a warm chocolate chip cookie. Oh, right on cue. That was so nice. Oh, this is, this is home-baked right here. This is the real deal. Mmm, that's so good. Only thing to make this better is a nice glass of ice-cold milk. I like to dunk it in the milk. Well, thank you. Mm. I wish you could taste this. Well, you can. How many want a cookie today? Come on, guys, let's pass out some cookies. Ooh, I don't know who made this one. Hey, thanks all the ladies who helped me with my sermon illustration today. Thank you. I don't know who made this one. This one rocks right here. This one's awesome. So go ahead. What do you think? I'm not passing out milk. But it is good. Mine's delicious. How about yours? You like? What do you think, Elijah? You like it? Not bad, huh? What makes a great chocolate chip cookie? Sugar? What makes a great chocolate chip cookie? Warmth? Love it. Somebody said in the first service, the very first ingredient was love. I guess so. Well, Karen put some love in, in supper last night. It was so awesome. She made pasta carbonara. Have you ever had that? It's got crisp bacon. It's an Alfredo sauce with pasta and then some fresh spring peas. I'm telling you, it would set you free if you were bound. So good. It was full of love and calories and fat. What makes a great chocolate chip cookie? What goes into making a great chocolate chip cookie? Somebody said sugar. Somebody said flour. Somebody said warmth. Somebody said love. The elves, okay, I didn't think about that, sure. Come on, talk to me about a great chocolate chip cookie. What are the ingredients? Miss Bonnie? Butter, there we go. Ladies, what makes a great chocolate chip cookie? Walnuts? Any? Okay, here we've got two schools of thought. We've got the purists that say, I'm not putting any nuts in my cookie. And then we got the nutty, the nutty people. How many nutty people do we have in the room today? You like a little bit of nuts in your chocolate chip cookie. What else? How about vanilla? Baking soda, someone said. Flour. Chocolate chips. Open your Bible to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, starting with verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, 
all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Somebody say, make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we all agree together by saying, Amen. Amen. We know this passage of Scripture as what? The Great Commission. There are two words that I want to bring to your attention in this passage. I would like you to underline them, highlight them, put arrows or asterisk next to them. It's this. Make disciples. Jesus has risen, but not yet ascended. There is this small window of time that Jesus is now post-resurrection, pre-ascension, milling around on the earth. And he says a few things. One of the last things that he says to his, his disciples is make disciples. How many think that's important? One of the last things he says, make disciples. We are in a series that I've entitled Set Sail. We're journeying from earth to heaven. Along the way, we're getting in various ships, trying to figure out our purpose here on earth before we get to heaven. I want you to board this ship with me today, discipleship. A disciple is simply a follower of any great teacher. There are lots of disciples being made. The Muslims are radically making disciples. Unfortunately, they're following the wrong teacher. In this instance, Jesus was saying, make disciples of me. Make disciples of Christ. Jesus was telling his followers, go and make more followers. Jesus was telling the disciples, those who believed in him, to reproduce yourself or to replicate yourself. How many want somebody else to be like you? Probably not very many people would raise their hands. But the Jesus part that's in you, how about that? Not all the flawed part of you, but that Jesus part of you. You found him, didn't you, Randy? And he cleaned you up and he set you on the path and set you free. Don't you want somebody to know about that? I know you do. That's making a disciple. I'm going to give you a recipe today. Don't you love when you taste something, you go, that was so good, I've got to have the recipe. 
And I don't like when somebody says, well, this was my grandmother's and we just don't pass that down. And then you're left to try to figure it out. I'm going to be open with you. I'm giving you the recipe today on how you can effectively make a disciple. My wheels started turning. Jesus, you said make disciples. You instructed, you commissioned, and, and then you left. <laughs> so what happened afterwards? Well, we're going to go into the Acts for a little bit. Open your Bible to Acts 1. We'll start there, and we'll, we'll be in a few chapters today. Starting in Acts chapter 1, we actually see the instructions coming to fruition. We actually see the commission being accomplished. And the disciples reproducing and replicating themselves and more disciples are being made. I'm giving you necessary ingredients for making a disciple. Ingredient number one, prayer. Prayer to the Holy Savior. Acts 1.12 then they return to Jerusalem. Now, remember, he's told them what to do, and now the ascension. And so they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sunday's day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. There was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord, watch this, in prayer and supplication with the women, with Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They gathered for this reason. They gathered to pray. If you want to make a disciple, get on your face. Get on your knees. Start communicating, because that's what prayer is. It's communication with God. Start there. Start communicating with God. There are a few things concerning prayer that I want to highlight. First of all, it's the place of prayer. The Bible tells us that they were going to the upper room. They were going to a room. They were going to a place. The Bible continues to tell us in chapter 2, we later read that they would also meet in the synagogue. The synagogue is the tabernacle. The synagogue, the tabernacle, is the church. It's like where we are today. They, they prayed in the upper room. We know this from Acts chapter 1. They prayed in the synagogue. They also, the Bible tells us, went from home to home. And they would gather they would encourage one another. They would have fellowship with one another. They would read the Bible together and study the scriptures together. But one more thing that they did, they prayed together. Sounds a lot like life groups to me. That sounds exactly what our life groups are doing. It is a place where you can come together with other people who have also decided to follow Jesus and you can pray. I want to encourage everyone that's listening today, find a place or places of prayer. I have a private place 
that nobody interrupts, not my wife, not my children, none of my staff. Only in an emergency will I be interrupted in my private place, my prayer closet, which is no closet at all, but it's a place that I pray. You need that place. Of course, we've gathered today, and one of the things that we have done is prayed. And I'm so glad that we've prayed. Find a place or places of prayer. I also want to bring to your attention the purpose of prayer. They gathered in a place to pray. What was the purpose of their praying? Well, I believe prayer is, is, is twofold. One is just general praying. There are things that I will pray about every day. I'll pray for God's blessings. Do you pray that God would bless you? Do you pray that God would bless your, your day? That God would bless your efforts? I don't know exactly what's going to unfold today, but I know this, I need the blessing of God. Do you pray for the favor? I pray for the favor of God. One thing in particular that I pray over my three kids every day is that God would give them favor. And it's just a general prayer. I pray for protection. We need protection. I was riding, Pastor Dave was driving, but we were on the 405 coming home from the fair just this past Thursday, and I look over. Now, we're driving at about 50 miles an hour, and I look over, and this car's driving about the same with us, and, and the guy has his phone right here, and he's looking at his social media while he's driving checking up on things. You better be praying about that. You better be praying for the protection of God. In fact, we need to be praying about everything. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Somebody say everything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is just general praying, but then there is the matter of bullseye praying, targeted prayer, specific prayer. And that is why this group came together. You're with me, aren't you, Sister Mickey? All right. I like when somebody feels my preaching like that. That's like sick him to a dog, right? <laughs> you better watch out. I'm going to run the aisles in a minute here. There is specific praying, bullseye praying, targeted praying. They came together to pray about something. Judas had betrayed Jesus, and as a result, he hanged himself. As a result of that, there was a vacancy. There was an opening, and so the Bible tells us that they came. They named all the rest of the disciples, and they came for a purpose. They were praying about who would take his place. It was narrowed down to two men, Barsabbas and Matthias. Acts 1.24, bring that up for me. And it says, and they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us now which of these two you have chosen. You want to make a disciple? Pray about it. And ask God who? Ask God, don't go randomly out there and just decide on your own. Let God actually narrow down, just as the Lord narrowed down who should be that disciple and fill that slot, I believe God will, for you and for me, let us know who, whom we are to disciple. I also want to bring to your attention the persistence 
of prayer. Look at Acts 1.14 closely. It says, these all continued. Somebody say continued. These all continued with unity in prayer. Just because you prayed about something does not mean you should stop praying about that something. You keep on praying. You keep on believing. You keep on asking. You keep on in your supplication. Be persistent in your prayer. Take hold of the horns of the altar of prayer and beseech the Lord in the morning. Pray to the Lord in the noonday. Ask Him again before you go to bed at night. Hallelujah. Be persistent in your prayer and just keep on praying. They continued, the Bible says, in prayer and in supplication. Develop a strong pattern of prayer. Because there's power in prayer. Hallelujah. There's power in prayer. Has anybody ever prayed and God heard your prayer? Come on, let's just testify for a little bit here. Has anybody ever prayed and God didn't only hear your prayer, but God answered your prayer? Hallelujah. Well, I got good news for you today. He's the same God. The God that heard your prayers in the past still hears your prayers today. The God that answered your prayers before, he's the same God today, and he will answer your prayers today. The disciples beseeched the Lord. They got together and they prayed, God, give us your wisdom. Who shall fill this spot? And God, because of the power of prayer, he heard them and he answered them and Matthias was chosen that day. Don't ever think because the answer has not come that God didn't hear you. He may just be having you wait. He may just be having you uh, wait on him. He might be still shaping you and making you. He might be teaching you something in the meanwhile. But God hears us when we pray. We're not praying to a statue in some corner that we've brought fruit and vegetables to. Hallelujah. We're not praying to a God who died and stayed dead. Oh, I wish somebody would get this today. We're praying to a God who is alive, that the grave could not stop. He rose triumphant three days after he died, and he hears when we pray. He's at the right hand of the Father even as I speak He's at the right hand of the Father right now, hearing our prayers and praying for us. You want to make a disciple? Here's your first ingredient. You pray about it. You pray. That's what they did. They gathered for prayer. Yeah. Ingredient number two. Come on, get your mixing bowl out. I'm telling you, this recipe, this recipe is going to be so good, you're going to want to share it with everybody. Dump this in now. We start with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we mix in, or we start with the power of, of the Holy Savior. We mix in the power, hallelujah, of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The power of the Holy Spirit. In order to effectively make a disciple, we need ability and help beyond ourselves. We need power. Somebody say, God, give me power. Let me tell you something. Your cleverness is not going to get it done. Your education is not going to accomplish it. 
Your connections, no matter how strong they might be, they'll fail ultimately. We're absolutely nothing on our own, but with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, there is absolutely nothing that we can't do. We can make a disciple with the power of God. Power was promised. We see it in Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. Come on and say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me or, in other words, you shall be witnesses to me or you'll be in the process of making a disciple. You'll witness. That's how we make disciples. We're witnesses for him. It, it, it starts at home, Jerusalem. It starts in the county, Judea. It starts in the state, Samaria, and then to the, all the ends of the earth. You start where you live. Where do you live? Buena Park. Buena Park. Where do you live? Whittier, where do you live? Start there with the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a crucial and necessary ingredient. Don't even attempt to start this process without it. You'll just have to scrap everything and start over. Don't you hate when you've got to just dump everything out and start over? Have you ever started a, a, a recipe and you forgot something or you added too much of something so you just had to scrap the whole thing and start over? That's exactly what will happen if you start the process without this ingredient. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that. That's why he told the disciples, wait on this. Wait until you're clothed with power. Luke 24 and 49, behold, he said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait or tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. Can you imagine God pouring out his power on you and wrapping it all around you and enduing you and clothing you with power so that the words you speak are not your own words? Your touch is not your own touch. Your steps are not your own steps. We are ordered and directed and guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. Power was promised. Power was poured. Oh, yes. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And then suddenly, hallelujah, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, which sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled, hallelujah, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. This is what we need, church. We need to be empowered with power from another place. Amen. You start this on your own, you're going to get frustrated. You try to do this with your connections, you're going to get frustrated. We're nothing without Him. We're nothing without Him. Amen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And not everybody will understand this. I want to I give you a heads up. We're peculiar. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're peculiar. Oh, that felt so good. Tell somebody else. Tell one more. 
You're peculiar. Jamie, you are so peculiar. <laughs> Wonderfully so. Not everybody's going to get it, Joe. Not everybody will understand when we are empowered with God's power. They didn't get it that day, did they? God said, you shall receive power. Jesus told them, wait until you have this power. Then it happened. The power was promised and the power poured. And then some folks who weren't in the upper room, they only heard uh, the overflow, see? And they got a little bit confused. And so they tried to figure it out on their own. But see, you can't, you can't figure me out. You can't figure her out. You can't figure us out. Those of us who have been uh, empowered with the Holy Spirit, you can't figure us out, right? They're starting to put what they think is the, is the, is the solution or, or what is the, the problem, what is the cause of, of this strangeness. And in fact, they said they're out of their minds. If not out of their minds, they're drunk and it's only 9 o'clock. So what does Peter do? After he'd gone up into the upper room to pray and communicate with God, after he was empowered with the Holy Spirit, Peter begins to make everything plain. Oh, let me just give you a little bit of what Peter had to say in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 14. Peter stood up and with, with the eleven, he raised his voice and he said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and, and to heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour, here it is, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servant, on my maid servant, I will pour. Somebody say pour. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass and whoever calls on the name of the Lord, hallelujah, they shall be saved. Somebody give God praise today. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is a critical and necessary ingredient if you want to make a disciple. We have to have the right ingredients, folks. My wife is an amazing cook. Again, she made some, she made some stuff last night. It was so good. But she hasn't always been amazing at cooking. Let me take you back 25 years. Well, there was actually two times, but. So one of, actually one of my favorite things that she makes, in fact, if she says, what do you guys want? One of us probably is going to say what? Now they're not with me. Beef stroganoff. Thank you, Butler. Beef stroganoff, I'm telling you, it's just awesome. It's so good. But 25 years ago, the first year of our marriage, and I think it might have been the very first time she made it just for the two of us, she's putting all the ingredients in, and it's smelling amazing. 
smelling sweet and good, and I was ready to eat it. So she needed to add an ingredient. And see, you've got you to thicken beef stroganoff, right? I see a lot of ladies shaking their heads. So she went to get the thickener out of the cupboard, cornstarch. You make a little slurry out of it, right? And then you pour that in, it'll, it'll bubble up and it'll thicken, it'll thicken your sauce. But the thing was, she really didn't get cornstarch, she got baking soda. <laughs> Can I just tell you, baking soda doesn't go in beef stroganoff? No kidding, Joe. I'm telling you, she put that baking soda in, and it, it, it looked like a science experiment, a ninth-grade science experiment. It bubbled up and bubbled over, all over the stove. Can I just tell you, we didn't eat beef stroganoff that night, but thank God for Domino's. But you see, baking soda doesn't go in the beef stroganoff recipe. You've got to get this today. Baking soda actually is a necessary ingredient in chocolate chip cookies, but I don't know why. Does anybody know why? What? Why? What's it do, Miss Bonnie? But it's necessary. It puffs them up, makes them, makes them nice and full. I don't know. But you leave it out and your cookies aren't the same. I'm telling you today, if, you're, if you want to make a disciple, and you should want to, you've got to have the right ingredients. Three simple ingredients today. Prayer, power, and preaching. Preaching of the Holy Scripture. That's the, that's the next thing I saw Peter do. He prayed. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and immediately he began to preach. Now, for those of you who just got freaked out because I said preaching, and you think, I'm not a preacher, that's, that's your job, you know, you can substitute this word. But to keep in my outline, I'm going to make it a P for you. <laughs> Proclaiming. How about that? It's just telling about the word, right? Sharing the word. Don't tell me your opinion. And I don't mean that wrong or harsh. Tell me the word. We got to know the word. It's a necessary ingredient. The word in us and the word coming out of us. These are three things that I saw the early church do over and over again. They prayed. They had the power of the Holy Spirit. They proclaimed the word. Peter relied on the Word. Immediately, he started saying what the Word said. He quoted from Joel. He later, he quotes from Psalms. I saw the fruit of their making a disciple, and another disciple was actually trying to make more disciples. This is how, this is how it goes. Remember Stephen? Stephen became a disciple. And now Stephen is in the process of making more disciples, although he had a very, very short window to do it. Stephen relied on the Word of God. Just before he was stoned, he preached from Exodus. Paul, everywhere he went, same pattern. Prayer, power, proclamation. Prayer, power, 
preaching. In Thessalonica, it says that he arrived in Thessalonica, and it says, as was his custom. Bring that scripture up for me. Acts 17, 2. As his custom was, for three Sundays he reasoned with them from the word. Peter needed the word of God. Stephen needed the word of God. Paul relied on the word of God. Jesus himself relied on the word of God. When tempted by the devil in the wilderness, what did Jesus say? Three times. It is written. Come on, say it is written. You've got to know it. You've got to have it in you. So if Peter relied on the word, Stephen relied on the word, Paul relied, Jesus himself relied on the word, how many think that we need to rely on the word of God? Well, you do. If you want to be effective in making a disciple, devote yourself to the word. Read the word, study the word, meditate on the word, and share the word. It's just a simple recipe that I thought I would give you. It's one my mother gave me. Her mother gave her making disciples. We can do this. We can do this. I want you to close your eyes and I want the Holy Spirit to just bring one person to your mind. Don't jump to the end of Acts 1-8, going to the ends of the earth. We could really get overwhelmed right there. But just ask the Holy Spirit to bring one person to your mind that God could use you to make a disciple. You befriend them. You build a, a, a relationship with them, spend time with them. You just let the love and the light of Jesus show from you. Then at the proper time, the right opportunity, you actually say something. See, we should be letting the light of Jesus shine before we ever speak. For a long time, people should just be curious as to why we don't partake of alcohol, let's say or any number of other things that aren't the best for us. Do you have one person coming to your mind that you could reach out to and God could use you to make a disciple? I believe La Palma Christian School, Karen, I believe this is one of the best ways that we can make disciples here. Every day we're in that process of making disciples with these students. That's why we want to encourage you. Get, in, get involved in this. Get on board with this. Our life groups, another great, great path to get this job done. And life groups is really twofold in the discipleship ship. You continue in your own journey of becoming a disciple because we never arrive. We're never fully there while we're here on earth. So life groups helps you in your own journey of becoming a disciple, but also you can be a part of helping somebody else become a disciple. When the Holy Spirit brings that one person to your mind, I want you to stand. 
And I'm believing that everybody will have at least one person come to your mind today that God wants to use you to help them to become a disciple. Holy Spirit, bring that person to our mind. Is it a family member? Is it a neighbor? Is it a clerk that you see routinely? Surely there's someone that God wants to use you to reach out and share his love. Pastor Moses, I want you to pray for us today. We desperately need God's help in this great, great task of making a disciple. But he's called us to it, and so we can do this. Would you pray for us? Lift up that person that's in your mind and in your heart right now. Father, we lift this person up to you today, Lord God. All these people have come to mind. Maybe for some of us, there's one or two or three or more. Father, we thank you, God, first off, that you saved us, that you transformed our lives. Lord God, but as we read the word and as we follow you, Lord God, we know that it's not just in vain that you saved us, God. It's not just so we can spend eternity with you. But, Father, but you've called us to do a work here on earth. Lord, and I pray, God, today that you would fill us with faith. Lord God, in the place of fear, Lord God, that you would fill us with boldness, Lord God. As we begin to step out, Lord God, and, and disciple those that have come to our mind. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would give us the words, God, that you would use our testimony, what you've done in our lives, God, to reach out to them. Father, help us to be obedient, God, to what you've called us to do. And we thank you that you won't leave us alone, but that you would be with us, God, as we, as we obey you, God, and as we step out and speak in faith. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Just before you leave uh, today, just I want to talk to you a little bit about the life group fair just so you can get some direction uh, as to what's going on out there.